Welcome to the Monitor Sports Podcast. Eric Winston Lobel here with Dana Torrey. As we hit the last week of September already, Dan, we are more than halfway through the regular season for the fall already, which is really crazy. It feels like we just started, which I guess we kind of did. It was only like a month ago that we started. Uh, great show coming up for you today. I chatted with Bo Boy soccer coach, the new Bo Boy soccer coach, Josh Smith about the Falcons' strong start to the season. We'll talk about them more in a second, um, but you will you can hear that interview in the second half of the show. Uh, but we'll also chat about uh, some boys' soccer in the area, Bo beating Merrimack Valley, Concord struggling, uh, Hopkinton playing very well. In girls' soccer, Concord's had a rough last week. Bo is 6-1-1. One and one. And uh, Merrimack Valley beat John Stark in some double local action. And then in football, Concord picked up its first win of the year. And Bo is back to 500. So, Dan, let's start with some boys soccer. Uh, You were at the Falcons homecoming game Saturday morning when the Bo beat Merrimack Valley three to one. And it seemed like from reading your story that Josh Smith, head coach, was happier with the way the offense worked. Is that right? Uh, I mean, it, it's hard for me to say specifically not having seen the team um, play earlier, um, but certainly that was more of my focus. Um, I mean, Envy has one of the best goalkeepers in the state in Trevor Simmons. He had eight saves, uh, including some uh, highlight real worthy ones. Um, the There is a really good photo that uh, Chip Griffin. Everyone should check out photos by Chip. He does a lot for us. He had some great shots of um, Simmons making some really good saves, including one where he uh, tips it over the crossbar in the in the second half. So um, definitely, you know, MV is sixth in the in the division right now. Um, Bo has played very well. They had some tough games, uh, drawing Oyster River and losing to Lebanon last week. Or I guess two weeks ago now. Um, where they uh, they only scored one goal in those two games so played very well defensively against top teams hadn't necessarily done the same thing offensively and so for envy uh, a team with uh why well, i'd consider an elite goalkeeper and then uh top six team in the division for Bo to score three goals uh was a pretty good showing by them colby smith a senior in that attacking midfield position he had a couple of assists he set up the first two goals um, by luke hartshorn and cody mccraney uh and then uh, carter weiss with a nice goal uh late in the game um to make that three to one um so a very good showing by the falcons uh, offensively against a top tier team um and they've gotten some some uh difficult opponents out of the way early so Bo uh, currently sitting in third place in the division with a 5-1-1 one one record they play at Pembroke on Tuesday the 26th we're recording this on Monday the 25th excuse me and then Bo will play at John Stark on saturday um so uh eager to hear your interview with uh with coach smith definitely um you know been a really uh good season so far for the falcons they're playing very well they were uh they all looked like they were really enjoying themselves out there um was was very impressive to watch um that back three on defense that all senior line of eli berrigan 
Wes Michaels and Brody O'Neill uh, in front of senior goalkeeper Aaron Dario. Solid as always, um, only allowed one goal. It was a beautiful cross and a header. Um, MV's Andrew Serpernot to Joey Oliveira um, was a was a very good goal that would would have been difficult to stop. Um, yeah, so I mean, Division Two soccer, we've got a lot of area teams at the top. Um, Bowen third, MV in sixth, and Co Brown uh, currently in fourth with the six and two record. Um, so definitely some positive results for the Falcons in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, and you mentioned how. Bo has seemed to get some of the tougher opponents out of the way. That's something that uh, Josh and I talked about during the interview, uh, particularly because when I think in, in this situation where you have a new coach, new system, players are learning everything for the first time in some areas, it, it's helpful when you get off to a good start to maybe have that game that brings you back down to earth and you can kind of still compare where you are uh, to where the team that or the teams that are likely also competing for championship uh, championship are and having that having that being able to make that comparison in mid to late September is much easier to uh, then address those shortcomings and having to make those adjustments in mid to late October when you're nearing the start of the playoffs so um, both still with time and as you said off to a good start and they have uh, two games this week against uh, Pembroke and John Stark, as you said, that have been among the weaker in uh, Division Two. Um, but as you said, we have some very good teams in the area, including uh, Merrimack Valley and Co. Brown. The same cannot be said in Division One, uh, where the Concord Crimson Tide lost to Portsmouth for two on Friday. Concord led this game two nothing at halftime, but allowed four goals in the last 40 minutes. The Tide are now two and five on the season. And, you know, it's kind of hard to pinpoint where exactly this team is and what it, what it's working toward as the second half of the season gets underway. I mean, uh, Concord started out the season two and two. You figure, based on what head coach Scott Dunlop had sent us before the season, they have a young group starting two and two is you know, fine. You have something to build off of. You won a couple games, build some confidence, but then you look at the last three performances and the tide have been outscored 14 to three in those three games. So, um, I mean, the, the opponents have certainly been tough. Bedford is a good team. Goffstown is a good team, but the Portsmouth game, I think is one that really stings First, because again, you had a two and a half at halftime, but Portsmouth is about a 500 team too. They're four and four now after that win on Friday. So that's one of those games that, you know, can really decide whether you make a playoff uh, appearance or you don't. And right. Uh, Concord right now has a, a lot of work still to do with a tough game coming up um, this week on Tuesday against Manchester Central, a team that's six and two. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, also, I think something else that considers to get down the stretches, you know, we've had a lot of games that have been rained out. Um, playoffs start 
you know, in the second half of October, which, you know, we're almost in October. So really we're looking at maybe three weeks of the regular season. Um, for a lot of these teams, they're, they're, they play 16 game regular season schedules. So they're not even halfway through that yet. Um, so there's a lot to play in a relatively uh, short time. Um, yeah, I mean, not a whole lot, not a whole lot to say. Um, still time to turn it around, but you know, you don't, you don't want to be allowing four goals in in forty minutes and giving up leads like that. And the big thing before we move on, I think that uh, Coach Dunlop had mentioned to me after Friday's game was just his his frustration with his team's uh, mental approach to the game. There were a lot of complaining uh, to the referees and those types of things that coaches do not like to see because there's nothing players can do about those things. There's nothing you can do about a referee's call. There's nothing you can do about, you know, what, you know, what another player on the other team is doing. You can control what obviously you can do. And when you're not focusing on that, you're, you're putting yourself in a tougher spot. So I think the mental aspect was a big takeaway as well, which is not unheard of for a younger team. There's lots of, I think there's 11, or 12 out of the 19 players in the roster, are either sophomores or, or juniors. So, you know, only seven seniors um, it can, you know, lead to stuff like that happening, but still uh, lots of work still to be done for Concord in division one, in division three, uh, things have been much rosier for Hopkinton, a team that had a rough year last year. The Hawks are now eight and one only losses to Guilford, who seems to always be at the top of the D3 standings. Hopkinton is outscoring opponents 33 to five this season. And a lot of that has to do with the play of Owen Weber. I believe that's how you maybe pronounce it. It was pretty close. I would have said well and Weber, but I think, I think you're, I think you're pretty good. Um, uh, Apologies if, if he's tuning in, but he has seven goals and five assists and a great last name, regardless of how you pronounce it. Um, so Hopkinton off to a good start. They had a great week. They beat Monadnock nine, nothing and Hillsborough during eight to one. So it's always good when you can outscore your opponents, uh, 17 to one. Um, and, uh, we should also mention the contributions of Finn Murphy, Nolan Lindstad, Avery Condon, and Colby Boise in goal for the Hawks. And then finally, in Division Four, uh, in Division Four, Conquer Christian is four zero and one. They have, like many teams in the area, dealt with lots of postponements, so uh, lots more games to be played for them in the next few weeks as well. Uh, over in girls' soccer, Concord Crimson Tide had a rough week. Uh, the Tide are now three three and one. They lost to Bedford and Portsmouth. The Bedford loss was one nothing. The Portsmouth loss was two to one. But I think, contrary to the boys' team, uh, the girls' team is in better spot. Bedford, you know, only losing one nothing to a team that's eight and zero on the season is not the worst thing in the world. Portsmouth is four and two, losing by one goal of them is not the worst. Also a road game, so you know, Concord got off to a good start. Um, have also come back down to earth a little bit in the last week, but. Uh, still in a solid position. The Tide will play a uh, host to Manchester Central West in a game under the lights on Tuesday. That should be a good game to get back on track because uh, Manchester is one and six on the season. So 
that should be a good game to get the tide right. Uh, in Division Two, Bo beat Pembroke last week for the second time this season by one goal, 3-2, and then beat Merrimack Valley 2-0 to improve to 6-1-1. One, one. Seems like head coach Jay Vote is starting to see improvement in an offense that still trying to find its rhythm uh, with some new players that they're relying on to score. And um, one of the things that he was not happy about in the Pembroke win was the fact that the Spartans scored both of it, of it, of their goals within three minutes of Bow scoring. So not allowing goals right after you score is a big thing, especially in soccer where, where momentum is really important. And uh, so seems like Bo improved in that capacity in the two, nothing win over Merrimack Valley, but Dan still, I mean, D2, both uh, boys and girls soccer, really good. We have Bo, uh, Pembroke is 500, but you know, that's a team that's made playoff runs the last few years. Merrimack Valley is very good. John Stark's been really good. Cole Brown's been really good. There's a lot of, there's a lot of depth in this division, especially in our area. Right. And the way that uh, the schedules are made out where they, they kind of cut the division in half and then you play more, you play every team in your, or both teams in your you know, cluster, I guess you would say to use a, a COVID term um, a couple of times um, they get to know each other very well. They play each other a lot. So Bo and Pembroke have already played each other twice. Um, MV will uh, host Pembroke on Saturday um, in its homecoming game. I believe also their second meeting of the season. Um, so these are teams that, that know each other very well. And, and when you know your opponent that well, it, you know, really you just need to get, you just need to get to the playoffs. You get there and then you can kind of take each, each matchup one, one game at a time. Um, so uh, speaking of MV, MV had a very good week beating the um, previously unbeaten John Stark generals one, nothing John Stark. Uh, I think it was John Stark's second loss. They uh, picked up one, their first loss of the season earlier in the week. The Hollis Brookline, um, one of the stronger teams in the division and a, and a title contender as well. Um, so Envy beat John Stark 1-0 um, before losing to Bo 2 nothing on Friday in Bo's homecoming game. So the Pride 5-1-1, one, one, uh, again, hosting Pembroke on Saturday. Um, so they're looking very strong uh, defensively. Um, you know, Coach Yam has talked to you, Eric, about uh, being very happy with the chemistry and the strength on defense, um, still developing um, that offense a little bit. Um, yeah, but all their all of MV's wins prior to the uh, win against John Stark were all two two to one wins. Um, the one one tie with Conval, and then uh, one nothing win against Stark. So uh haven't haven't cracked that two goal mark um in any game yet. Um but still a lot of soccer to be played there. Um and then John Stark after starting the season five and oh uh the 3-1 loss to Hollis Brookline uh one nothing loss to MV and then a two to two tie uh against Cole Brown. Uh I believe that was in John Stark's homecoming. Um a lot of homecoming games in, in last weekend, this upcoming weekend and the weekend after kind of our big three homecoming weekends for our teams. Um so John Stark now five two 
and one on the season. Uh, Eric, you know, you talked to Coach Marceau. Uh, he he had some thoughts after uh, after the the loss to MV. Yeah, I mean, uh, he said it to me. I think he he's also uh, reiterated in his uh, roundup submissions. Um, he likes to tell his players that losing is the best education, and and kind of like what we were talking about with ball boys soccer with kind of seeing where you are relative to the other top teams this past week was that for john stark as you mentioned entered the week previously unbeaten they were five and oh lose to hollis brookline lose to merrimack valley tie cole brown uh it seems like the overall takeaway from the week even though oh two and one is probably not the ideal uh, of what you want to come away from a three-game stretch uh, with the record of was that he saw progress and he said he was much happier um, in the John Star in the Merrimack Valley game compared to the Hollis Brookline game with the fact that his team really turned it on the second half they got to a bit of a slower start but started to generate more pressure in the second half of the game and then I mean Cole Brown's a good team to tie them um, obviously you want to come with a win but a draw still provides some points in the standings or a point in the standings so um, you know not the best week results wise but in terms of seeing progress I think uh, that's something that that coach Marceau was certainly pleased with. Um, and we also mentioned Cole Brown. The Bears are four, two and one this season and have a big game on Tuesday hosting Bo and then play Laconia on Thursday. And finally, in Division three, Hopkinton seven and one. The Hawks have won six games in a row and have outscored opponents overall this season 44 to 7 so another team to keep an eye on in the area a team that we've been keeping an eye on all season picked up its first win of the year on friday night concord beat manchester central 34 to 12 so the tide are now one and two in an nhi double a play jackson borkish had a touchdown run and a touchdown reception. Um, uh, Sawyer McCready also ran in a touchdown. Levi Madison had a pick six. And Oscar Hummelsign Perez had a fumble returned for a touchdown. Um, so, Dan, we said on last week's show that Concord had to win this game. We, we don't really know where things are going this season uh, overall, whether this team can make the playoffs again. But they had to win Friday. They won Friday. And they won generally by the margin that they probably should have won by. Yeah, um, Central had uh, Central scored the first touchdown of the game to go up six nothing early, uh, and then Concord had uh, the next thirty four points um, to uh, close that out pretty decisively, and then Central picked up another touchdown in the fourth quarter. Um, Concord, of course, playing without star running back Ellie Bahuma. Uh, who uh, not sure what his status is for the rest of the season, um, but either way, Cor uh, Coach Corkum and and the Tide preparing as if he will not be back. Hopefully, that is not the case, um, but certainly um, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, positive takeaways for this game. A lot of different players. Um, getting involved uh you know out of the five touchdowns they came four different ways uh one run one a couple of running touchdowns or 
passing touchdown from quarterback Colby Nyhan, uh, pick six and a fumble recovery. So a couple touchdowns from the defense as well. Um, so I think definitely seeing that many different um, contributors and seeing a couple of different guys who could run the ball well in Bahuma's stead uh, definitely is positive for the rest of the season. Uh, Eric, before we got on, I was looking at last year's Division I standings. So there's there's 21 teams in Division One. The top 13 make the playoffs. Last year's number 13 team was Spalding, who got in with a 3-5 and five record. So assuming that you know, the wins roughly break down in a similar way that they did last year. It looks like three um, is that number to beat. And this was one that, you know, the tide pretty much had to get this one. Um, and they did. And so that's definitely, definitely positive um, to, to get a win. And, and, and now they're one and two and one and two and still a lot of football yet to be played, um, hopefully with Bahuma. But again, um, I, I believe the they're preparing as if he will not be there. Um, but uh, I mean, definitely a lot of positive takeaways from the Tide. They host undefeated Pinkerton on Saturday in its homecoming game, Pinkerton beating uh, last year's runner-up team and the 2021 champions, Londonderry, 24 to 20 um, last Friday night. Um, yeah, so definitely a lot of positives there. Um, I was at Bo football playing Milford for Bo's homecoming game. Um, Bo back to 500 after beating Milford 26 to 15. Milford, for what it's worth, Eric, probably the best 0-4 team um, that I've seen play. It was a very good game. Um, it was pretty close throughout. Didn't really get... Uh, even in the fourth quarter, when when Bo had a had a three possession lead at one point, uh, Milford still moved the ball very well to keep it close. Sophomore Caleb Schumacher had a huge day. Um, I had him at two hundred and forty one rushing yards uh, over the course of the game on twenty three carries. Uh, he had an eighty nine yard touchdown run in the third quarter um, that opened up Bo's lead to I believe it was twenty to eight that his run put the Falcons up. Um, quarterback Brady Lover connected to Ryan McCabe for a couple of touchdown passes um, to give the Falcons an early lead, and then again uh, in the third quarter where Bo scored a couple touchdowns to open it up and uh jared dolder who has kicked more field goals than i've seen probably in 11 years from every other football game combined he uh connected for a couple more uh 34 and 37 yarders respectively both in the fourth quarter um to put that one away. So Bo now back at 500, uh, two and two. They're playing at Merrimack Valley on Saturday for MV's homecoming. MV still looking for its first win after a 31 to seven loss to Sanborn. Uh, also evening its record up at two and two were the Guilford Belmont Eagles with a decisive 42 to seven win over Pembroke at Pembroke Academy. Uh, quarterback Anakin Underhill threw to Logan Grant for three touchdowns. Um, Noah Harder ran for another couple touchdowns and just shy of 200 yards. 
in that one. Uh, and John Stark, um, after uh, a really tough loss to defending champions Pelham, uh, John Stark's running game uh, took over again, beating Manchester West 50-14. to 14. Um, That's it for wins, though, for our uh, football programs. Eric uh, has mentioned MV lost 31-7, Hall, uh, not Hollis Brookline, although they did, they did lose two. Hillsborough, Deering, Hopkinton lost to Sauhegan 49-6. In Division Two, Kearsarge losing to Stevens in Division Three, thirty-two to eight. Franklin losing to the defending champion Summersworth in Division Four, fifty to six. Uh, shout out for Tim Snow, the head coach, for sending in us stats. Uh, we really appreciate that, uh, regardless of the score. So thank you, Coach. Um, Franklin's improved a lot uh, in the last couple of years, and they've got a very small roster. Um, and then Bishop Brady losing another close one to Mascoma, eight to seven, uh, which I don't think I've ever seen that score in a high school football game, uh, but an eight to seven loss there in Division Four. Um, so, I mean, Eric, it's it's still early, um, but in a nine week season, and now we're four weeks in, I think we're, uh, you know, I think we know who our local horses are in the playoff race. Um, as, it, as it were, I think uh, Bo and, and Guilford Belmont, um, both at two and two, very much in the mix and, and rounding in the form. Um, John Stark, still our best area team by record. John Stark is, is three and one and they've, they've played some tough opponents. Um, so John Stark, I believe, with a Hollis Brookline coming up and then Hillsborough Deering Hopkinton the, the weekend after. Um, so you know, definitely uh John Stark some chance to make some noise in the western half of division two. Um yeah, it's been it's been really fun uh going to all these homecoming games uh and and seeing all the communities come out. Uh, it's very cool. I don't know. Pro probably, I, I've said fall is probably my favorite season to do coverage. It's uh, it's really cool to see all the communities come out for these games. Uh, Eric, any thoughts on the on football? I think we have most of it covered. I think uh, this weekend, this coming weekend, uh, as you said, Bo will have a chance to get over five hundred after starting zero and two, which is not an easy thing to do. Um, and uh, you know, again, Concord has a has a has a tall mountain to climb to you know put itself in position to make the postseason, especially not knowing Ellie Bahuma's status moving forward, and things are not getting any easier against a very very good Pinkerton team uh, on Saturday. But it's homecoming. Maybe uh, maybe they'll get some. Uh, maybe the the extra fan support will help boost the energy at Memorial Field, and uh, Concord can pull off a. A big upset, but we shall see what happens on that front. Uh, in field hockey, uh, Concord lost to Bishop Girton 6-1 on Saturday. The Tide are 5-3 and three now on the season. Bo beat Merrimack Valley 1-0 to improve to 5-3. and three. Uh, But the team to beat in Division Two, of course, is still John Stark, who beat Oyster River 2-1 and Portsmouth 5-1. Um so the generals are now eight and zero. They also beat Merrimack Valley uh, one nothing today. So it's been a really good start to 
the defending Division II champions season, which is not that much of a surprise because of the strong feeder program that they have developed. And um, actually, the win today moves uh, Stark at 8-0 on the season. They've only allowed three goals in those eight games, which also was a common theme in uh, for this team last year. Really With two really- goalies, which is pretty remarkable. That I Well, mean, I- last year they had three. One of them graduated. Yeah. They returned two of them, uh, Edie Fisher and Addie Pelletier, back this year. And Dennis Pelletier, head coach splits them, we talked about last week, 50-50 each game. That's what he's been doing because he said he has no idea who would, like in a playoff game, who would start and play the whole game because they've both been really good. So. I mean that. I mean that's. I mean, good for him for doing that. I think that's a, that's a really hard hard thing to do, and especially with you know for the two goalies. I mean, you you know, especially if you're coming in in the second half off the bench, you know, and you haven't played the whole, you know, you haven't played that whole first half. I mean, that's you know, good for them to you know be as dominant um, as they have. They have two goalies at that at that caliber is is pretty remarkable. And I think also to the point about coming in for the second half, like it can also be tough when, you know, if it's three, nothing, four, nothing at halftime, you're not necessarily getting that level of intensity uh, when you go right. in that. So I think that's the other piece there too, is that, you know, everyone they're playing, but they're not necessarily playing with, you know, the same intensity or focus that you might have if you're starting uh, from the beginning, but that's something that, uh, you know, John Stark will figure out eventually as the season wears on. I don't know that they would go with the 50 50 split in the postseason, but who knows what it's worked so far for them. So, right. Uh, we'll, we'll see what, what, uh, Dennis Pelletier decides to do. Um, also just wanted to mention that, uh, Merrimack Valley will play Pembroke in its homecoming game on Saturday. And uh, Keir Sergeant Hopkinton are both five and two in Division Three. I'm going to their matchup in Hopkinton on uh, Thursday, so that should be an interesting one. And then Bishop Brady also in Division Three is four and two. Uh, their losses are to the top two teams in the division: Newfound and Guilford. In the volleyball world, just wanted to mention that Concord beat Keene and Portsmouth last week, so the Tide are now seven and one on the season. If you missed it last week, I chatted with the Tide, uh, the Tide's new head coach, Maria Wimpy, about her experience taking over uh, the program as someone that just graduated Concord High School a little over five years ago. And then in Division Two, Cole Brown beat John Stark three to one in a rematch of last year's Division Two semifinals. Uh, the Bears also beat St. Thomas on Monday in five sets to improve to seven and one on the season. Dan, why don't you wrap us up with the Manchester Invitational in cross country? Yeah, uh, 48th annual Manchester Invitational at Dairyfield Park on Saturday is the biggest race of the season in the cross country world. Not only is it at Dairyfield Park, the site of all three NHIAA division championships at the end of October, um, it is also uh, really the first time where 
all the NHIAA teams, or pretty much all the NHIAA teams, at least in Division One and Two, um, as well as some of the best teams throughout New England and New York, are all competing head to head in a large school and a small school division. So it's really the, the biggest measuring stick of of where teams are at. Um, and Hopkinton girls did did very well. Maddie Lane, a freshman from Hopkinton, finished fifth in the girls small school race um Kearsarge's molly ellison was ninth uh, right up there the hopkinton girls finished ninth uh, out of 38 teams maybe i think in the small school division um that was without one of their top runners as well um the bow boys also finished ninth in the uh, boy side of the small school division and then uh, the co-Brown boys competing up a division while they qualify for the small school based on enrollment. Uh, they've opted to compete in the large school in the last few years. Uh, Jamie Lano, seventh in the large school race and the co-Brown boys in the middle of the pack um, in 16th, although most of the teams ahead of them are not from New Hampshire, uh, including some nationally ranked or previously nationally ranked teams in that division as well. Um, so, yeah, Eric, like you said, we're halfway through the season. Uh, golf championships are in two weeks. Um, so we'll have a lot more golf coming up on the next um, edition of the podcast. With all the rainouts, there's a lot of golf matches. Uh, you know, teams still have to play some of them, you know, four or five matches and, you know, less than two weeks. Um, so it's going to be it's going to be busy. And then October 10th, um, I believe it's October 10th. Yeah, October 10th. Uh, and 12th are the uh for are the team t championships in the first round of the individual championships that's completed on October 14th the individual titles are crowned that does happen uh locally at Beaver Meadow so a lot more golf coming up in the next couple of weeks but now yeah, and then after that we're we're pretty much in the postseason for all the other sports um so feels like it just started and uh eric october is almost here that it is and uh there's still a lot more to come we've had a lot to talk about and i'm sure there'll be a lot more to discuss in the weeks to come let's get to my conversation with bow boy soccer coach josh smith Here with Bo Boys Soccer Head Coach, Josh Smith. Josh, thanks for joining the podcast. Great to have you. Hey, great to be here. Thanks for the invitation. I appreciate it. Of course. Um, so we're going to talk about uh, the team that you've taken over uh, entering Friday. The The boys are 4-1-1. One, one. Um, but before we get to that, um, I want to just chat a little bit about your coaching background and I know you coached at Conval before coming to Bo. Um, what got you into soccer coaching at the beginning? So I'd always played soccer. I think I started when I was probably about three or four. And uh, as I got a little bit older, I started to uh, think about what the other aspect of that was like. So, you know, what would coaching be like and, you know, how could the things I've learned throughout my career translate to that? So, then I um, I moved to Peterborough and tried to 
involved with the travel program, but at the time the school needed a JV coach, so then I became the JV coach. So it was kind of uh, being thrown right into the fire then. Yeah, it was definitely interesting at the beginning. I didn't necessarily have uh, loads of coaching experience. I certainly uh, like witnessed it and like been able to have like some pretty good coaches in my past. So I definitely had people I could lean on for different things and get advice or bounce ideas off of and things like that. So it was a was an interesting way to do it, but it definitely helped. I think. And, you know, you've been doing this for several years now, but uh, I think you still are among the, the younger uh, coaches in our area. Um, but I'm curious, like, what, what's what been the biggest learning curve for you as, you know, from the time you started as a JV coach until, you know, where you are now? Yes, yeah, so I think the biggest thing is trying to, uh, the biggest learning curve is trying to understand sort of where the players are coming from and then where you're coming from and melding those ideas together with like things that they their goals and what they want out of things and then how I see things looking so just trying to figure out that aspect and then managing personalities of like different players and things like that and and that that kind of leads into the the first bow specific question I wanted to ask was you're taking over for you know George Pinkham who was the only bow boy soccer coach until till you came this season um so, I mean, obviously all the players weren't there for all, you know, 27 years or however long it was that he was coaching, but, you know, the, the program is used to a certain style and now you're coming in with your own way of doing things. Can you talk a little, a bit, a little bit about just how you've approached coming in as a new, per, a new face, a new voice, and getting them to buy into what you want to do? Yeah, so I think for me, one of the big things for me is that it's sort of a collaboration. Like, I want the players to... Uh, and sort of things that we're doing. Obviously, there's some decisions that I have to make as the coach, but together, you know, coming in as a new coach, it's I've had to make an effort early on to talk to the guys who have come and say, like, you know, what are what do you want the program to look like now? What are things that are important to you guys? What can I do to help facilitate that? And so I really tried to make an effort to build relationships with them so that I could understand sort of what they wanted to get out of things. So then I could, like, tailor my approach to, like, bring some of those ideas into it as well. And, um, you know, so far, things have things have gone pretty well for you guys, as I said at the beginning, 4-1-1, one one, entering play Friday. Uh, how have you kind of felt about how things have gone so far? Yeah, so I think so far it's been, you know, it's been okay. I think we aren't necessarily the team that we should be at the end of the year, but right now we don't necessarily want to be playing our best soccer, right? We want to save that till the end. So um, I think we're we're close to where we should be, but we definitely have a lot of room to grow before the end of the season. I, I assume the big piece for you might be offense. I know when we spoke at the beginning of the season, you had said that you had one of the focuses for you was getting the guys to be more aggressive offensively. You've had some spurts. I mean, you're still outscoring opponents 17 to four. You've had a couple of games with five goals. Um, but is the offense kind of that big focus for you moving into the second half of the season? Yeah. So I think it's, it's more about control, like having possession. And then when you have possession and control of the game, you can create more chances and then you ultimately should be scoring more goals if you're creating a lot of chances so it's really been 
about trying to like, control the games, the pace and the tempo, and then we can find like the opportunities and then score more goals. So we're still continuing to refine that and get different patterns and um, attack different spaces based on what the opponents are doing. But it's, uh, it's getting there. And then on the, on, the, on the other side of the ball, though, the defense has been solid, at least result-wise. I mean, only allowing four goals in six games is, is, is very impressive no matter how you slice it. Um, why, why has the defense been a strength for, for the team so far? Yeah, so I think uh, one of the reasons it's been a strength for us is you know, we stress the importance of not, of not giving up goals because that gives you the best chance to win games. And we have like a very like a senior heavy group back there, the senior keeper, a senior back line. So they are very experienced and they know sort of how to how to kind of mitigate the opponent's offensive capabilities so that we can have the best chance to to go forward without giving up any goals. The the one loss you guys have was the game I was at last Friday against Lebanon, the one nothing game. Um, and, and I think we talked a little bit about this after that, but you know, it, you obviously want to win every game, but you lose a game like that to a team that's very good, probably going to be at the top of the Division Two standings. I assume it's helpful from your standpoint to have that to give you know the guys a more con- more concrete examples of like where you guys are versus where a team that you would be competing with for a Division Two championship is, right? Yeah, definitely. Um definitely was good to see what that looked like and we had kind of assumed going into the season that both Oyster River the team we tied Tuesday and then Lebanon the team we lost to Friday were were two of the better teams in the division so those would be really good tests for us to see you know where we're at in mid-September compared to the teams that we think will be competing for the championship at the end. What is the team that you think is going to be competing for a championship at the end would look like for you guys? So I think for us, we just continue to um, sort of refine our approach, uh, you know, get a little bit more crisp in the final third, uh, get the final pass down so that we can create better chances and, and have more opportunities to score goals. Uh, a little bit more of like winning 50-50 balls, winning the second balls, I think. A little more effort there is a big thing for us, um, and then keeping, obviously keeping opponents off of the scoreboard is huge, right? It gives you a better chance to win. So uh, I think if we can continue to build on those things, we can definitely have a chance. And I hear a lot of coaches talk about um, you know being strong with the ball in the the offensive third. Um, is a lot of that just guys not? panicking or not rushing when they're in those situations because I feel like it could be very easy when you do get the ball in that spot where you're you know things start moving much quicker and you start making decisions that you probably wouldn't or shouldn't make otherwise because you just feel like you're more rushed than you actually are yeah I think some of it is definitely composure I think the like the players who are more composed are, are going to usually score more goals and so what we have to do is try to create different scenarios in practice where they're like in those scenarios where they're getting the pressure and they're trying to finish under pressure, great chances and um, really, really getting them ready for those situations in practice so that when the game comes, it's like, all right, I've already been here before. I know what to do. I can do this. Um, Now, Josh, I also wanted to ask you, um, I know that you didn't 
coach last season, you took last season off. Um, was that like helpful for you to kind of have a break between your time at Convalve and then starting this position where you kind of maybe reflect a little bit more and, and help you get prepared for taking this job? Yeah, it definitely helped. And I still like, Hey, last fall I was still checking in with coaches, finding out like, Oh, how was the game? What, what's this team like? So I was still, although I wasn't coaching, I was still connected to it a little bit, but sort of from afar. So I could have, you know, like you said, reflect on like having that year off so I could really see different things and maybe change my view on like the way to do things or, you know, if I had done things one way in the past, maybe, Hey, maybe I should do it this way going forward. And, um, it, it helped. I have a lot more time to watch different games too, whether in high school or even professionally too. So I could sort of take different things and watch from a different lens and, uh, try to put some of those things into where what we're doing now at Bo. Well, it definitely seems like, as you said, there have been there have been a lot of benefits for for the Falcons so far. Definitely not uh, fully where you want them to be, but certainly four one and one is better than uh, one four and one, I guess, at this point in the season. Uh, Josh Smith, head coach of Bo, thanks so much for joining the podcast. It was great to have you. You're welcome. Thank so much for having me again. I, I really appreciate it. Heard from Bo's new coach, only the second coach that Bo Boy Soccer has ever had, George Pinkham, the coach since the school opened in 1997. And as we talked about, Dan, at the top of the show, lots of success so far for Coach Smith about a month into his coaching tenure. Yeah, um, I mean, definitely a huge pickup for the Falcons. Coach Smith had uh, won a couple of championships with Conval um, previously, but it was a really fun a game to watch on Saturday. The uh, Bo definitely seems to have very good rapport with their new coach and, and a lot of uh, great rapport and chemistry on the field as well. Um, so it's definitely shown. So uh, definitely uh, one of the highlights uh, and, and one of the uh, – most positive stories that we've had through the first uh, month uh, of the fall season. So that will wrap up this episode of the monitor sports podcast. Of course, keep following along on the monitor website uh, for all of our coverage. We are at lots of different things, as you would know, if you've been following already, and we have a big weekend coming up with Merrimack Valley and Concord each with homecoming. So we will have lots of coverage from this weekend as well. For Dana Torrey, I'm Eric Prince and Lobel. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next week.